Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this uh, rainy evening via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, we actually have an Islanders regulation loss to talk about. It's weird. Yeah, it's been. It feels like it's been years. Actually, <laughs> I, I, uh, I didn't really. I didn't even look back to see when the last one was, but it, it, di- it didn't really feel like a loss. I wasn't terribly upset. I said, you know what, like it, one of these were going to come. I thought the Islanders weren't great but they hung with a team that was uh that's a cup contender or at least a contender in the east and uh so it's not you know not nothing too terrible to to take from it and i actually was proud Mm. of the way that islander fans didn't freak out after the game (laughs) uh it was actually i was surprised too but it was their first regulation loss since december 20th and it it was uh february 5th when the game happened uh, which was remarkable to me. Like I totally didn't even realize that that was the case. And you're like, wow, I guess that explains how they went from being sort of on the playoff bubble to being in the first place in the Metro for about a month now at this point. So, uh, Jesus. yeah, all right. It's, it's still crazy. Um, yeah, uh, there's a couple of ways to take it. So they, they've played three games since 
the break was over. Um, the most recent being the one we're talking about, the 3-1 loss to the Boston Bruins last night in Boston. We're going to talk about that. Before that, uh, the day we spoke, the day, or I guess the day after we last spoke uh, with our friend Arthur Staple, they had a game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was their first game after an 11-day break. The Islanders lost one nothing to the Lightning, but uh, that game was a, a lot like what you're talking about. I think a lot of the pe- a lot of people had that same feeling after that game, which was they had a 10 day break. They went toe to toe with the best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they both teams were like almost dead even through three periods and overtime. Everybody had their chances, the ebbs and flow, all kind of working. Both goalies were amazing. The shots on goal ended up being 41-36 in favor of Tampa, so it was very close. Uh, and Victor Hedman was the only guy to score in the shootout. And, I mean, you you couldn't get closer <laughs> than that game for two teams that were leading their divisions at the time. And, uh, you know, I think most people, again, like looked at that loss as like that that was as positive and constructive and, and encouraging a loss as you can possibly get. Uh, against one of the best teams in the league and easily the best team in the conference. Yeah, it was something. That game was it really was. <laughs> I don't. I. I mean, just I. I. We've we've seen a lot of those games where it's like just back and forth, but the, the they usually end up you know six four or seven three or whatever it is. Uh, the goaltenders were so good. I didn't think. I, I, I somewhere in the middle of that second period, I said that they, I didn't think the Islanders were going to score in Vasilevsky, so it was going to be up to. Whether or not Grice broke, I just as a feeling, he just was dialed in, and uh, both of them. I mean, Grice made Grice like, was unbelievable. Too. Yeah, they they both made their I would say about a half a dozen just insane saves. Like they were just crazy. Uh, you know, arms flying, limbs flying. I think at one point Grice made like two or three saves in a row in one sequence that were like, how how did he do that? Uh, but that was yeah, that was that game. Uh, you know, this this phrase kind of gets thrown around a lot, but. That was a playoff game. Like that had a playoff feel. It was, you know, the end of January or early, I guess, February 1st. Uh, and it felt like a playoff game. It was as tight, uh, but it back and forth, lots of scoring chances uh, either way as you could get in a game like that. And, you know, I think the Lightning were ready. Uh, we, didn't ever, we didn't think the Islanders would win 5-1 <laughs> like they did the last time they played the Lightning. Uh, but the Islanders are ready too. And and it was a it was pretty cool. The next, yeah. Yeah. It, I just I thought it was probably um, the most entertaining loss the Islanders will have this season. Mm. And uh, I also John Cooper said some some nice things about the Islanders before the game, and and we're big fans of him. Yeah. And we're also you know the Lightning are and along with the Canadians and Bruins are kind of our allies, so <laughs> you know good for them. But uh, they the the most jarring part of that game, and I mean jarring in a good way, was I was uh, kind of just like taking it all in and like. It was still kind of hitting me how that game was going, and I was alone um, making dinner or something, and I had NHL Tonight on because I wanted to watch the highlights again. And I wanted to see how a, the supposed neutrals would kind of talk about the Islanders' effort in that game. Uh, I can't remember the name of the lady who was hosting the show uh, that night, but uh, she she um, she led into the the highlight clips uh, right before the break. She goes, and you know, we'll. When we come back, uh, we'll see how a tight affair between the two best teams in the Eastern Conference went. And 
for some reason it just did it. I was like, oh, like who who, who did the Lightning play tonight? Yeah. And then I was like, oh wait, it's the Islanders. Yeah. Like it, she's, she just called the Islanders this, one of the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, and she's right. Mm. And uh, it, it was that was like that's crazy funny. to me. That's yeah, I, I don't think I've ever I've ever like had a a, a moment like that where someone someone said like that and i was like whoa that's pretty funny but, yeah that's the exact opposite of the headline the new york post had the next day which was islanders can't muster single goal against lightning like that to me. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody pointed that yeah tell me about it jimmy that's ridiculous you know uh somebody whoa. yeah i know somebody pointed that out in the comments and i was like wait what and i had to go look and i was like come on seriously and then the story i think was an ap story that was you know, basically what we were talking about, like it was a tight game between two teams going toe to toe and, you know, somebody had to lose and basically that's how it worked. But man, whoever wrote that headline is clearly a Rangers fan or maybe it was Larry Brooks. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it was, uh, that was pretty wild. So the next night though, uh, the Islanders played the LA Kings, <laughs> not the Tampa Bay lightning. And we knew it was going to be a pretty different game. And it was, it was not pretty at all. It was very sloppy. Um, the Kings, I did not realize this. So the Islanders played a back-to-back. The Kings have been off for 11 days. So they were off a day longer than the Islanders, where they apparently had the longest break in the league. And, uh, you know, I mean, the players aren't going to use it as an excuse, but, man, that's got to be weird. I mean, it's one thing playing on a back-to-back against a team that maybe didn't play the night before, maybe had two days off. But to play a back-to-back against a team that was, it's been off for almost two weeks, that's that's a very weird feeling. Um and at one point in the third period, the Kings took a, a 2-1 lead. And, you know, it was kind of like, oh, man, really? This is going to, you know, well, this is going to suck. But I guess after last night, it's kind of a letdown as to be expected. But, man, the Islanders came storming right back. From that point on, it was all Islanders. Matt Barzell tied it about a, less than a minute later. And then Michael Dalcole, who we're going to talk a lot about in a little bit, uh, scored the game winner on a deflection. Uh, Ryan Pulick had three assists. They added an empty netter, and boom, just like that, a 2-1 Kings lead turns into a 4-2 Islanders win, and, you know, it's taking care of business like we talked about, just getting in there. Uh, it was almost, I don't want to say it was the exact opposite of the game against the Lightning, but it was pretty close. It was not nearly as exciting as the game that happened before, and as to be expected between, you know, two teams that have nothing to do with each other and one team that, quite frankly, isn't very good. In this case, that team being the LA Kings, so not the Islanders which is weird. Yeah, so I, I was at that game, and uh, like you said about the, the letdown spot for the team, I thought the crowd would kind of be the same. I thought since that crowd was so into it and loud for the Lightning game, and that game kind of lended itself to that, I was a little worried that the crowd wouldn't be as enthralled with this game, especially you know against a Western Conference team that's not very good and uh, plays a lumbering style. Um, and I was really pleased with just being – the atmosphere was awesome again. I was with uh, four of my friends, a couple of whom – it was their first game back at the Coliseum, uh, one of whom, my buddy Kenny, he, he just finished a, a bike trip across Europe. He just biked across wow. Europe. with a, That's the, yeah, Z- his, that's the, the Zidane Chara. <laughs> yes, exactly. He, he brought, his, he brought his, uh, his Islander skateboard with him everywhere. So he has some <laughs> pretty, pretty cool pictures up yeah. of like his skateboard at like the Eiffel Tower and stuff like that. But uh, the crowd was great. Robin Leonard's like kind of was the the main thing that kept everyone engaged in the game uh, his play was re- he was obviously really good that game and then when the Kings scored that goal I think there was like 630 left in that third period uh my friend Chris just turned to me my tongue and cheekly said it's gonna be okay it's the Islanders mm. 
And he was right. I mean, the, and then it, it's, those last six minutes were just awesome. Yeah. They were, uh, the crowd was awesome. It was so much fun being there. Barzell's goal, like, basically was a huge sigh of relief. And then Dal Cole, when he scored, it was party on. Yeah. He, it was awesome. It, it was pretty cool. Um, the story afterwards was about how they kind of didn't play all that well. Arthur Staple at one point called it. They played about six, 14 to 16 good minutes of hockey, but it was enough to win the game, and it's hard to argue. He's he's exactly right. Um, but the, the story after the game was that the Barzell-Bovillier-Bailey line had been set for quite a bit of that third period because they weren't generating anything, and they were, in fact— actively kind of hurting the team. They were given, you know, pucks were given, getting given away. They were spending way too much time in their own zone. They weren't getting anything done. And this is your ostensible, you know, whether you think they're the top line or the Nelson is line is the top line, you know, they're one of the two main offensive contributors to the team and they weren't getting anything done. So after this lengthy benching, you know, here comes Matt Barzell and he just rockets on the ice and just scores the game tying goal. And then after that, you know, again, things, things were good. So it seemed like they were kind of on track, and it seemed like this was the wake-up call they were going to need. Um, but two days later, they played in Boston, uh, and they ended up losing, like I said, 3-1. to one. Uh, The Barzell line, again, just could not get anything going. Way too much time in their own zone. Um, Josh Bailey had a bunch of big turnovers, and Beauvillier was just kind of invisible. I mean, I hate using that term, but he really was. He didn't really do much. Uh, and he had like one shot on goal, I think, at one point, but that was about it. Um, the they were tied with the Bruins through two periods, and it looked like the Islanders may have taken a lead in the third, but Devon Taves was literally two inches, maybe, offsides before Cal Clutterbuck entered the zone with the puck. Clutterbuck had scored; that goal came back. Islanders were never quite right after that. Um, a goal kind of bounced in off of Robin Leonard's arm or something, which is kind of a weird. Miss Q again. He was great. I mean, I'm not trying to blame him, but it, did, it was kind of a weird goal. It kind of bounced off of him and in. He wasn't happy about it. The Islanders did have a four minute power play, which maybe should have been a five on three for two minutes. But in any event, they got a four minute power play. They didn't score. Surprise, surprise. That's another problem we're going to talk about. Uh, and just like that, boom, it was a three one loss and an eight game point streak has been snapped. Um, you know, I, I can see where you're coming from, whereas it, it wasn't. A terrible loss. I mean, the Bruins are really good. And actually, I was thinking to myself while I was watching it that if you wanted to kind of project the sort of ideal for this Islanders team, particularly under Barry Trotz, I think the Bruins are the sort of like, you know, er version of the the the, the Megazord version of what the Islanders are trying to accomplish. They are incredibly good defensively. They take they whatever offensive opportunities they get, they bury. And they don't get too many, but they don't need too many because they're just so tight defensively. And then obviously any kind of tiny breakdown is gobbled up by Tuka Rask. And, the, you know, they don't play the most exciting brand of hockey in the world, but it is incredibly effective and it is incredibly frustrating to watch when you're rooting for the other team. Um, obviously, the big difference between the Islanders and Bruins is that the Bruins have a couple of Hall of Famers on their team <laughs> in Bergeron and Chara, a couple of near Hall of Famers probably in Rask and Marshan, guys in the conversation. Pasternak is obviously really good. Krejci's really good. The whole list, we all know the list. And the Islanders have a bunch of guys who are pretty good, but eh, maybe not so good. And obviously, Bruce Cassidy's been at the helm there for two years. So I can think about it. You're like, man, that the winning streak couldn't have gone on forever. And boy, the Bruins are really good. And you know, that's what the team. That's the team that I think the Islanders aspire to be, uh, which would be great because you know they've got a couple of Stanley Cup finals trips in them and and one win. 
Um, but I, I'm interested to hear more about like you know you you kind of found sort of the positives in it, whereas I think most people kind of found the negatives. But like you said, they you know I think I think the the rage was muted a little bit at least. Yeah, I think the the Bruins are kind of like the uh, the worst matchup for the Islanders, and if if you're looking at potential playoff series too, just because they they like you just said like the Islanders are just a lesser version of them, so to speak. Yeah. So I yeah, that would be a bad matchup. Yeah, exactly. Like so, I, I I was looking at it kind of through that lens. Like they they this is this is a team that does what the Islanders do just better than them and uh, more consistently better. I guess is the best way to put it. But uh, they that's I guess that's why you know I was looking big picture wise. Like this is probably of you know after they they beat or excuse me after they got a point against the Lightning, I kind of had a feeling this would probably be the end of the road for the point streak. Um, just, and, and I, like you said, they had chances to win it. Tuka Rass made a couple of big saves. I can't remember who it was that hit the post, maybe Boychuk, like, um, and then obviously the overturned goal on the offsides, which is, um, you know, whatever that, that's just, you just, you just hope those, you know, even out throughout the season. And, uh, and, and I think it's the thing that sucks about it was that might've been the best, most impressive play of the game uh, from Devon Taves. Like that was, yeah. that rush was you you saw him. He was shot out of a cannon from from a dead stop. It was right off a face off, and the guy just was like took made something out of nothing, 170 feet away from the other goal. So that was uh, I mean like so I think there were just there were just enough positives away f- to take away from that game that made me feel all right. Like you know this this is a good team, probably the worst matchup for the t- for the Islanders, at least in my mind. Uh, just just nothing nothing to really panic about. And hopefully, you know, they, they got the Devils uh, tomorrow. So hopefully just, you know, they're, they're able to, to take care of business against a team that is not the Bruins and not as nearly as good as them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's putting it mildly. <laughs> that's being very, very complimentary to the Devils. Uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, no, I mean, there were definitely positives in that game. I thought the Islanders' defense in particular was really good in that game. Uh, Pellick and Pollock in particular looked Really good. Yeah, th- like, they I think really sharp. Those and, those two yeah. and, and Ryan Polak especially are probably having yeah. their best like mini stretch of the season right now. Yeah. They and uh Taves, like you said, Taves and Mayfield were very active and, and Taves had a some of the best offensive looks for any islander were, were for Devon Taves. He's, he's got that speed and he was making it work and, and Letty and Boychuk were good too, doing their kind of grinding thing. Um but uh yeah, I, I thought defensively they were really good, but you know, it's, all it takes is one breakdown, and and that's it. One guy gets free in front of the net, and boom, the game is over. So, uh, I, I I did have a, this kind of like vision of the future, <laughs> whereas in like the Islanders and Bruins are like those these two kind of defensive beasts that are that are going up against each other, and it'll take a little while, and and obviously a bunch of better players for the Islanders to get there. Um, but uh, you know, I I think again that that to me is the team that. You know, people want to come if you want to compare the Islanders to one team. Uh, you know, I remember when people used to compare the Islanders to the Oilers because they were kind of like these sort of, you know, uh, um, consecutive or whatever uh, uh, parallel rebuilds going on. And people used to complain that the Oilers, they got defense. They're good. They got a goalie. He's Cam Talbot. What are you know, where are the Islanders at? Well, I mean, the Oilers right now are a complete mess. <laughs> they gave up five goals to Chicago the other night and in the third period and are you know, now just questioning everything so you know it's funny how you, you come but i to me the bruins are the team to compare them to um the loss did sting but at this at the end of the day 
The Islanders were still in first place by two points over the Caps. The Penguins had gotten shut out uh, by the Hurricanes that night. Who are the Hurricanes and the Flyers right now are basically the hottest teams in the NHL. Yeah. Like these two teams literally can't lose, and it's incredibly irritating um, because they're pushing for playoff positions now, and the Islanders are well ahead of both of them. But you know. You lose a couple of games in a row, and all of a sudden, they're you're not as well ahead of them. So, yeah, right now the Islanders 66 points, Caps 64, Penguins 62 at the top of the Metro. Columbus hanging on at the bottom in the eighth spot with 61 points. But the Sabres, Hurricanes uh, both have 58, and the Flyers have 54. So the Blue Jackets are kind of, you know— Stretching the collar out a little bit, sweating things out, uh, you know, would have been preferable had the Islanders won against the Bruins. But like you said, they have the Devils on Thursday night, the night you're the day you're probably listening to this. They also have matinee games against the Avalanche and Wild on the weekend and then a game in Buffalo on Tuesday. Those are four very winnable games. <laughs> uh, I don't want to try and jinx things, but they are four very winnable games and. I would suspect I want to I want to be like your friend. I want to be very, very positive. It's it's the Islanders. Of course, they'll win. You know, um, I want to think that anything can happen. It's hockey. But still, I mean, out of those four games, I mean, is it crazy to expect anything less than eight points? I mean, if they get seven, is that a disaster? No, but yeah, I think I think you you, you say it's funny because it's such a fine line hmm. between six and eight. But I, I think you, you say you, you better get six. Because, you know, we talk about these three games that have happened. The Islanders, they, they played so well against the Lightning. They grinded out a victory against the Kings. And then they lose against the Bruins. So that's three points from three games, which, you know, is, sounds a lot worse. Uh, than, like, like, if you look at it, like, oh, they played probably uh, of the, what, 180 minutes, they probably played, like, 70, maybe 60 minutes of good hockey or, like, great hockey, I guess, maybe. And, uh and they got three points. So you and you're just like that's probably not good enough. You know that they need to you they they need to take four out of every six available points. So hopefully, I mean, I think six points, and especially from from that slate of games, uh, is yeah. is basically a requirement. I mean, you look, you're first, you're the first place team in the in the division. Like that's what first place teams do. Yeah. So I would think so. Um, but you know, uh, oh, and that's the other thing too. Uh, so yeah, so the Islanders are in first place. And they have been for quite a while. And as such, they are climbing up the Stanley Cup odds, which is pretty crazy. They're now 14 to 1 uh, shot to win the Stanley Cup, which is pretty amazing considering I, I'm pretty sure they started the season at 100 to 1, uh, maybe 250 to 1, something like that. Uh, but they're they're really up there now. And, uh, and you know, it, it's funny how the sort of like, betting society or the, the betting community has kind of come around to this team very slowly. It's not just them, obviously it's other people as well. But, uh, you, you were saying you, you were talking to somebody who was kind of giving you a little bit of insight as to like how this, this sort of happens and how the team it's finally taken this long. I mean, it's February 6th. Now season's got 30 games left. It's finally taken this long for people to really notice the Islanders as a, at a as a betting option, uh, you know, because they aren't what they were projected to be when the season started, really. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I, I spoke with uh, Andy McNeil, who who lives in Canada. He's a professional. He's a professional better up there. I think he's in Edmonton, um, and his Twitter is Bet Andy Bet. Uh, and he, first of all, he's he's even if you don't gamble on hockey or 
uh, he's just a great follow. He's 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 extremely insightful about the game and does a lot of good radio hits too to listen to. And he's very very good at, at what he does. Obviously, you can't. It's really hard to make a living as a as a professional gambler. Like it's almost impossible. And he's been able to do it. So his 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 numbers are obviously very good. And you know, I talked to him a lot. I've learned a lot from him. Uh, just you know, at first from afar, and then the two of us kind of started talking and just like swapping notes, whatever. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll randomly like, you know, get his goat with some Islander stuff, especially early in the year, because it was taking not just his, uh, you know, betting model and his betting predictions to catch up to the Islanders, but basically across the market, like the Islanders, I think until, um, yesterday gets right before the Bruins game were the most profit. If you had bet the Islanders every game, they were the most profitable team in, in the NHL. So it just, that, that doesn't show you anything other than that markets, and the the algorithms from from odds makers just hadn't ca- caught up to ha- just how good the Islanders were, and I so I asked him I was just like you know what what do you think it was, and his his answer was was pretty good and I think it's stuff that we all maybe thought and he put it put it together into just one thought. Obviously the Robin Leonard situation is one thing like it's really hard to account for for someone who was struggling for a couple of years to then go through something you know was who was then going through personal struggles and just how much of an effect that had on him. So then the other thing obviously is trots, right? It's very, very hard. And I would say in any sport outside of football, I think it's kind of hard to gauge just in hockey, probably the most, how, how much an effect uh, elite coaching has on a team. And that's, that's what Barry trots is. He's probably the best coach in the NHL. If he's not the best, he's one of the top three. And then the other one is that the Islanders were so people were so and models were so down on the Islanders going into the season. This is a team that, like we've talked about ad nauseum, worst defensive team, you know, basically in the modern NHL last year. So that was a large sample size. And then they had the year before that where the Islanders still weren't very good and they were pretty poor defensively. And so you're going to this year, everyone was down on them. So the first 20 games, the Islanders had a good start and it just took a little while for you know, you, you want a decent da- data set, obviously, to go and start to project a team for the rest of the year. And 20 games is kind of the, the accepted mark. And the Islanders' first 20 games, although they were getting wins, the trots effect hadn't really started yet. So their their underlying numbers were still struggling. So so even though that the Islanders were going to get better, nobody could predict it because they thought the wheels were going to fall off. So then when the, the trots system kind of really started to bear fruit in that middle, like, 21 to 40 game stretch... The models were still down on and the Islanders were still being basically undervalued in the market. And so then I would say between the 25th and 45th game of the season is when people started to have their come to Jesus moment with the Islanders this season of like, oh, wow, like this team is actually getting better every game. I think you saw it a lot on Islanders Twitter. I think Carrie uh, Haber did a really good job, like kind of saying, like, look at these small incremental improvements the Islanders have been making over the past week. And this was like, you know, in November or whatever. And I just think that that these models just and and the market just took so much longer to, to catch up and finally when it did not not saying it was too late for them but like it, it it was like oh man like look where the islanders are they're they're at the the top of their division already so i just think there's just like all these like mitigate like uh extenuating factors that finally came into one and kind of just as he, he put it he's like they've been a thorn in the side for basically every everybody who makes hockey predictions <laughs> and uh, i love to hear that that's great <laughs> Yeah, and and it's and it's funny because you'll see these guys on Twitter like him and and Manny and guys like Dom at the Athletic, uh, 
it's it's they they like basically they pretend to hate hate they pretended to hate your team whatever they do that shtick but for the islanders they were it was they were driving these people mad because they were getting results and losing their money and losing the books money because they just couldn't figure them out and i think now i think 14 to 1 is a little short like i wouldn't ever suggest betting the islanders at 14 to 1 to win the stanley cup uh after when you when you could have had them for a much bigger number but I think it's it's obviously I don't th- I don't know like that that is a uh, you know pretty short number for them but I would say like you know that is a much more accurate description than they were you know two weeks ago when they were forty to one or I think I, I like six or seven weeks ago they were still in the eighty to one hundred to one range while they were still getting results so that's kind of like what what we're, we've noticed about this this team is just as legitimately turned everybody's head yeah. from from the you know Jeremy Roenicks or whatever like those kind of analysts to the guys who literally do this for a living making money off hockey results so <laughs> uh maybe I can yeah. interest you uh in a bet they're they're two to one to win the metro right now uh and seven to one to win the east so uh yeah you probably could uh you could have made more money had you put a bet on them back in like December or something but uh but yeah no that that's all it's it's interesting because yeah again you know I think it, it's funny because so Kerry is is a good person to bring up because you're right he's the guy who you know for months has been like you know every week or even every day I think he does maybe sometimes multiple times a day like you know he shows you a little bit here this thing is trending this way it's trending that way and suddenly you know those first kind of wonky twenty games or so are a thing of the past and like you see new trends forming and you know look nobody's saying the Islanders are like you know, world beating juggernaut or anything like that's not what it's about. It's about getting incrementally better and f- seeing a team coalescing around its coach. And, you know, when you don't have like a prediction or a model or something, that's a lot easier. I mean, Kerry just puts the numbers in his thing and he spits it out. And I mean, he's his audience is mainly Islanders fans that are interested to see, like, what is the team doing well? And his charts show that, you know, they're they're giving up less chances. They're having more high danger chances. Like it's all very interesting stuff. But guys like like professional betters or like, you know, these stats guys with stats websites and or like Dom, like you mentioned at The Athletic. I was reading a thing today. It's funny you brought this up today because I read his thing at The Athletic today about how his model had put so much emphasis on the Islanders like preseason prediction that it took it a long time to give them credit. And he had been kind of predicting this massive collapse for a long time. And it took a while for the model to kind of take all the data from this year and start to take it seriously. And suddenly, you know, what he's saying is he still expects there to be a regression, but at the same time, it's hard to say that they're bad. Like they're, they're clearly on a playoff pace basically. And so to, to just throw all that out because, you know, they weren't expected to be good back in September is dumb. Like now we have 50, 60, whatever games of data that show that this team can actually do something and they're good. Uh, Whether you, you know, you credit the goalies, which obviously he he mentions as a big factor. Leonard in particular has been excellent or just, you know, trots cutting down the amount of shots and having them play a system, which we've talked about last week as being the night and day difference between last year and this year. I mean, you could if you watched a video, any pick any game from last year versus any game from this year, you would see it's almost like two completely different franchises like you know one runs around like a chicken without a group of chickens without a head and the other one knows where they need to be uh, especially in the in the the defensive end which is something the islanders have never had in a long time but yeah i mean it takes a while for these things to come around and when they do they're like oh you know maybe there's a reason that these guys have have a uh a share of first place and uh 
yeah, it's it's been pretty cool. Uh, it's a funny thing. I meant to bring this up with Arthur Staple last week, but I totally forgot. Um, you know, when it comes to trots, and uh, I want to get to him in a second because we're going to got some lineup changes to talk about. I wonder if, you know, we talk about all those first 20 games, they were kind of finding their way and their underlying metrics were terrible, obviously, and they were just kind of figuring things out. I have I had seen Caps fans be like, it took the Capitals a long time, like seasons. I mean, Barry was there for four years and it took really, I mean, they won this President's Trophy the second year, but it took a long time for them to really ad- to adopt the system and to really buy into the things he was saying. And when they did, you know, Nobody really pegged them to be a Stanley Cup champion last year because their numbers were a little bit down. But look at the at the end result. They won. I wonder if this Islanders team, because they've had so little success and because these these players, a lot of them who have only ever played for the Islanders, were so receptive to Barry coming in and, and wanting to hear what he said and wanting to do what he said that 20 games now seems like a very small amount of time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... It, it took them. Oh, it, it took them twenty games to figure it out. Well, it took the Caps like a season and a half to figure it out. So, yeah, you know, that's a good. But point. like, you know, if you're telling Alex Ovechkin how to play, maybe he's going to be a little bit res- less receptive because he had X number of MVP trophies. Whereas if you're telling Anders Lee how to play, he's going to be like, you know what, you're right because the way we were doing it before wasn't working, and now this is going to work. I don't know, just a theory I have. Yeah, no, I think I think that probably has some legs to it. I think the the, the Capitals too, just. Were, were a team that, especially under trots, also drove pe- people, models all, tended to underrate their uh, their chances as well, just because the trots' way of playing, just the, the, num- the numbers and stats that these models weigh and think make, and the stats that make them think this team is good and a contender, trots' teams just don't really put those numbers up. Like, they don't compile those numbers. And and I think maybe, like, you, you think about the, the season, I guess it was a season... Yeah, the season the Islanders played the Capitals in the playoffs was his second year with the Capitals, I believe. Was it? Was it 2015? Now I got to look. I think that was, was – <laughs> it was either – it was it – was, because I think he was there, what, four years? But, yeah, so I want to say it was his second. It might have – but uh, the, the, those, like, two middle years, I think uh, – and, and, and this obviously sounds like hindsight is 2020 just because they won the Cup – but those middle two years, and then you look at the the team that ended up winning the cup, they they just there was just something a little different about them in the playoffs, especially I noticed too. Like yeah, it, the, it, seemed, it was his first year actually with the Caps. That was his yeah. first year. Okay, yeah. So like the, when they would lose to the eventually lose to the Penguins in the playoffs, like you you could anecdotally see like oh like they are just they they're just missing it. Mm. Like they you may and and it's quote unquote, I hate using this term, but buy in. Mm. Like these, they just didn't buy in yet. And I think, think, think like that year when the Blue Jackets went up to nothing last year on them in the series and the first round, like all of a sudden they, they were like all, they were just like, you know what, let's just throw it, throw everything we can into this basket, play the way we're supposed to. And they turned into a, like a really good defensive team. Like they're the, this is the Washington Capitals and they're playing, you know, a defensive brand of hockey. Uh, and so people... Like you, you if you were brought a casual fan and you're like this is the Capitals, they're like oh like they got Ovechkin, like they probably are Dynamos offensively, like and then you get like no like this is not that's not just not who they are, like their identity is that somehow mm. he turned turned a team with maybe the best pure goal scorer of his generation into a defense first hockey. He didn't he he didn't build the team around Ovechkin. He <laughs> said all right you're just gonna you're gonna play this way and and it and it paid off and yeah. so like I think I think uh but I- your theory definitely has some has some legs to it if because like can you imagine going into that room and being like 
all right, Alex yeah. and, and, and crew, like, here's how we're going to play now. And it starts from our red line. Yeah. yeah and, and I, but I, you know, it's funny thinking about thinking back to that time, I, I think, you know, helping them defensively was really basically what he's done with the Islanders in a lot of ways. You know, obviously there's some strategy to it, but I think a lot of it's just in the details. Like, you know, don't let your guy get away with the puck, you know, be the first guy to the puck. It's that little stuff. It's those little details that the Islanders never paid attention to. And now they do. And and it's when they follow those details, they win and they smother teams. And we've seen it in the games that, you know, they won in Toronto, the games they won in Tampa, the, uh, you know, other the game they won in in Washington, where they went down there and they only won two nothing, but man, they just stifled the Caps because they were on every single puck and they were always on top of things. So you know, it's, yeah, it, I yeah. think just another thing Carrie has been talking about a lot is that the, the Islanders' best defensive trio, their best forward line, that defensive forward line, it has been the Sezikis line, the right. the quote unquote you know CCM best fourth line, the identity line, whatever you want to call these guys. Uh, and it's because those three players, basically, maybe not Sezikis, but more Clutterbuck and Martin. If those guys don't pay attention to the details, they don't have a job. Mm. Like they are not, they are not able to play NHL hockey if they're not literally ticking every box on what they are supposed to do. And so having those type of guys who know, like I have to check off every part of this list, do everything the coach says, and to put myself in a chance to just even have a job. That you're seeing that, like that. That is coming to – you're seeing these guys literally stifle and get the, the last minute of a game. Mm. Can you imagine – like two years ago, we'd see it on Twitter all the time. When Capuano would put this line out with like a minute left, the, the other or the Islanders were up 2-1. The other team pulled their goalie and he goes with the four, best fourth line in hockey. <laughs> People would freak right. out. But now it's like, all right, you trust them because right. they, they are doing their job and the job that Trotz has like kind of put forth and they're doing it very well because if they don't – like. Right. They're just not good yeah. enough. Matt Martin in particular, uh, and Carrie has also been the one on top of this. Uh, we should probably get him on this show one of these days. <laughs> uh, but he, he's been on top of these. You know, Matt Martin's a pretty de- he has turned himself into a pretty decent defensive player. He's good at stifling shots. He's good at, you know, again, doing those little things, dislodging the puck from people. He hits, obviously, a lot. And, uh, you know, he's never going to be a big goal scorer. And although he's got he's already got more goals this year than he, I think he's had the last two years combined. But, uh, you know, he's he's. It, the difference being, like, like you said, I mean, you know, we've seen that that line out with the final in the final minute of the game a lot. But the difference in how they played then versus now is completely, you know, it's night and day. Like you can tell that there's a plan now, and they had they know what to do, and they know how to get it out there. Whereas before it was like, don't don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, you know. And sometimes they screwed up, but sometimes they also didn't. So you know, when they got then they didn't, it was like, oh, that's a genius move. And when they did, it's like, well, obviously this is the dumbest thing we've ever seen. So. Uh, there's a there's a big difference <laughs> that between then and now, uh, between the Capuano weight era and Barry Trotz. But uh, speaking of lineup, uh, the the lineup and some changes coming on. So as we alluded to earlier at the top of the show, um, the the Barzell Beauvillier Bailey line just isn't working lately. And uh, word came from practice today in Newark uh, that Barry Trotz was making some changes. One of which was taking Anthony Beauvillier down to the third line or I should say the Philpola Komarov line, and elevating Michael Dalcole to Barzell line duties. And, you know, we haven't talked about Dalcole that much uh, since he's been brought up, other than just to say he's been he's been good. He's been defensively responsible. He's out there. He's He hits. He You know, again, he's got a lot of energy, and he plays really well with Komarov and Philpola, two guys that are, like, literally each twice his age. Um, 
And to see him get elevated to the first line is both a cool reward, but also like, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. Bovillier has gone, I think it's like eight or nine games without a goal. Um, he was not very active in the game against the Bruins. And, you know, maybe Dal Cole is the kind of guy to bring that sort of like energy, uh, the 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 board play, the corner play, and just that, you know, puck hound kind of way thing to get Barzell the puck to open up space. Even Dal Cole himself said it, open up some space uh, for him and hopefully Bailey to get some stuff done. I know people wanted to see Bailey move down the line, but hey, you can only move one guy down there. Uh, maybe Bailey will be next. But uh, I think it's a pretty cool change. And I liked Trotz's quote. Talk about differences between Capuano slash Waite and Barry Trotz. Here's what what Trotz said. Uh, This was in Newsday today um, regarding the the line changes. Uh, Andrew Gross asked him, and what he said was, quote, you give someone else an opportunity. It also puts a little bit of a red flag in for the groups. Make sure you perform or you can be replaced. Like, that's pretty wild to think that. Like, you have to perform. There are expectations now, or you can be replaced. And, you know, first you get busted down a couple lines. Beauvillier can't hack it there, and he's still in the slump, and he still isn't showing much. Well, who knows what the next stop is? <laughs> Breast box, Bridgeport, some other team? Who knows? And I, that, to me, was like another night and day aspect of it. Like, wow, perform or you can be replaced. Damn, that's that's cold. But that's what coaches do. Like, that's what a, that's what a good coach would do. You know, the hopefully message sent. Barry said, "Yeah, maybe, maybe they won't make the changes. Maybe we will. We'll see." But it certainly sounds like he's ready to make the change, or at least put a scare into somebody so that he doesn't have to. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, it, it's also refreshing to see something. A, a lot of people, I think, yesterday was maybe the breaking point with the Beauvillier, uh, Barz, Barzell, uh, Bailey line, because like there was three, pretty much three. Oh, they were all right against the Lightning. So two bad games in a row, which still isn't really acceptable for the top line of a first-place team. So uh, I think pe- people were saying, you know, maybe it's a good idea to flip th- these two guys. And it seemed like an obvious thing to do. Like like it, was, it wasn't, you know, reinventing the wheel. They were, they were two fits. One guy's kind of riding hot. The other guy is not. And if you just flip them, you know, it, that probably will make sense. And they did it, which is a welcome change to the New York Islander organization. Mm. Here's a pretty easy fix to make, make it. And uh, I'm excited. I think also like the underrated part of this is that Beauvillier had a really good stretch of games with Philpola and Kamarov. They're almost like the, uh, they're like the, the form psychiatrist, like for, for these guys. Like if you're maybe not, if you're not, if you're a game, if you haven't found like any good form in the past couple of games, like go play with these two guys. They play a simple. They play a simple game. Like they'll make things easy for you because they will take care of the other side of the game, the defensive side. They'll make sure that you know everything's accounted for on the ice while you figure yourself out, while you go find yourself on the ice. And uh, so I, I, I think it's just like a, a smart, savvy move. Uh, I think a lot of people are starting to think maybe Beauvillier is um, the the kind of the piece of this puzzle that, that might not, uh, fit. I don't, I don't think that's, I think, I don't think that's, I think that's a bit of an overreaction. I think he's a very, very good player. I actually think he that is, he could be pretty good down there with, with Komarov and, and Philpola. I don't yeah, think it's, he was, he was, he was, yeah. he was really good with them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's so much a demotion as it's just like, let's try this to, you know, 
this let's try this way and see what happens. But at the same time, like if it doesn't work there and he doesn't he isn't good there, uh, then you know we have some really hard decisions to make. But yeah, and and I think the timing is very savvy right. too, right? You got two, no, excuse me, two and a half weeks, three three weeks to the deadline, uh, and Beauvillier to me. I, I was speaking with someone uh, someone connected before who said that he doesn't think that the Islanders are going to really move any pieces of their current roster. And he like the, the Islanders are the only way they would do it was for a big piece. Like let's just hypothetically like a Duchesne stone level player. Like that is the only, that is the only way that met, that someone moves. And it would, I was always thinking that, you know, once again, very hypothetically, it would be, you know, maybe Adam Pellick, as a piece of it because he's a, already a decent young defenseman under t- team control for a and while. And they're going to have Thomas Hickey come back at some point. So. Right. And and you wonder, like, I think that the te- that teams from, from the outside, and this is me again, like, if I was the, if I was the uh, Ottawa Senators, I would say, I'm not getting, the talks don't even start unless you say you're willing to trade this guy. He's under team control for a long time. Uh, so I just think it's like the timing is, 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 good both for the player and for the organization like Beauvillier is, is a smart guy he knows how this works he knows like this is this could be like he could miss out on something great if he doesn't get his his game going uh so I just it's it's it sets up for a kind of an interesting uh, sub narrative mm. to what has already been an awesome season and kind of gives a little adds a little more intrigue right. just by doing this little move <laughs> by flipping two guys right well, I mean with for Beauvillier he, he's got to play with his BFF uh El Barzell like I'm sure he doesn't want to be moved off to a, to a different team, you know, with his, with his boy here, obviously he's not going anywhere, but uh, yeah, um, it's uh, yeah. I think the timing is right. I think they got, again, they've got a, a slate here where they can, you know, okay. That you drop a game against the Bruins. Hey, look, I mean, they're pretty good. Uh, they're a team with Stanley cup aspirations, but you know, now you have a stretch here uh, where you can really make some hay and get those points back. And I think that, you know, that sense of urgency as well kind of plays into, now is the time to make this change. Now is the time to to see what else we got uh, before we, you know, maybe make a change in a big way. Seeing some some buddy move. So that brings us to um, some league news. The the trade deadline is on the twenty fifth, as we talked about last week with Arthur Staple. Uh, moves have already been made. The Islanders, uh, I should say. Uh, one target that uh, the Islanders had in mind uh, was Brian Boyle. Well, he's now a Nashville Predator. He got traded uh, from the New Jersey Devils to Nashville today for a second-round pick. So the trade deadline season doesn't officially start until the Predators spend way too much on a guy they probably don't need. So that is that move right there. A second, I mean, Brian Boyle's a nice player and all, but, man, second-round pick, that's pretty steep. Good on you, Ray Shiro, for getting that uh, for Brian Boyle. He's good at pulling out those second-round picks. He got them from uh, from Michael Grabner. Oh, no, he traded a second-round pick for Michael Grabner. I take that back. Um, what else? What was the other trade that happened today? There was an It was uh, it was another Predators oh, trade. Oh, right, yeah. Cody, Cl- Co- Cody, Cody McLeod of the Clan McLeod. He's back in Nashville uh, for, I think, a fourth-round pick. And Rangers fans, if you heard a lot of laughing coming out of New York City today, it's probably a bunch of Rangers fans going, they got a fourth-round pick for Cody McLeod. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why the Predators feel the need to stock up on these guys. I mean, at least Boyle can play. McLeod, no, dude, that you don't need him. Cody McLeod. I mean, what is he going to do for you? Is somebody gets hurt, you going to play Cody McLeod? Seriously? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. That that was strange. I, the, I thought the the Boyle move, like you said, they overpaid. Mm. Um, 
he's a good player. I kind of was just assuming the island. It was weird. I just assumed the Islanders were going to end up with yeah, Ryan Boyle this whole time. Like kind of, it seems like the Islanders trade like traded him yeah. <laughs> almost a little bit. Um, it's just like a good fit. I don't, and and the way everybody was talking about it too, like people were doing like in depth. Here's how Brian Boyle will help the Islanders. Right. Eh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just it wasn't meant to be. And then I started thinking, you know, he's a big body, and, and nobody ever called him Big Brian Boyle. Like they were just those <laughs> players that, that right. mostly mostly like big, Canadians. Big Ben Bishop. Yes, exactly. Ben Bishop. I wonder big ben how do you Bishop. become big? How do you get the big bef- prefix? And yeah. uh, they do it. They do it in soccer too. Like you know. Yeah. And and I was thinking like, I think Nick Bukestad, who who was yeah. traded uh, earlier right, yeah. in the week. Uh, well, I'll hear people call him Big Nick Bukestad. And, um, uh, John Scott also Big John yeah, Scott. Big, yeah. <laughs> Yes, uh, and uh, that uh, that actually uh, that Bukestad trade that scared me a lot because I'm just like that he just he's the guy that the Penguins get at the deadline who every year is going to be he's going to score like 20 goals and win a Smythe. So I I am 100 percent in agreement with you. Uh, I he was actually a guy I was thinking that the Islanders could maybe get, uh, you know, on the cheap. Because he hadn't been really, and I, I know he hadn't done much this season. I looked at his numbers; they, he really hasn't done much. His underlying numbers were okay, but like scoring wise, it just was weird. But he's he's a monster, and I thought, geez, maybe he, that would be a good fit for the Islanders. Get him, plug him in that third line spot. But you know, my problem with sort of projecting Islanders trades is, I mean, you, you talk to somebody who said straight up, unless it's some kind of blockbuster deal, nobody's leaving the probably nobody's going to leave that starting lineup, and I think that same way, like. I find it hard to believe that they would. I, I, I mean, we could all let's just let's be honest. Like they could probably use an upgrade on that third line, Phil Pilar, Komarov, whatever. But like, I, I find it hard to believe that they would be like, "Hey, Phil, thanks for sixty great games. You're going to sit now because we're going to play this guy that we just traded." Like that's just not going to happen. So get used to seeing those guys. Although I'm sure if they can upgrade somewhere, they probably will. But uh, I thought Bukestad would have been a cool uh, cool pickup, but the Penguins got him, along with Jared McCann, who I feel like is another guy that the Penguins are going to just – you're going to hate this guy. I mean, we probably wouldn't have been able to pick him out of a police lineup a week ago, but now he's a Penguin. And he's like – you know, he's but he's young, and he scores, and he hits, and he could be a huge bust, but he could also be like, oh, man, this is just like a new Steve Downey or Max Talbot type, like the guy who, who hits a lot of people but also scores goals, and you just hate him. Yeah, I think the, the the other part of that trade was obviously Derek Broussard going to the Panthers. Oh right, yeah, and who might be on the move again? <laughs> yeah, and I think you know he the Islanders as we've been talking about here. Carrie says like the the thing is the Islanders a if Casey Sezikis or Phil Pula, I don't even want to say anybody else. Like if those guys go down, down it's a it's a catastrophe for the Islanders. Right. Like they don't they just don't have the depth to, no. to bring it in. Like you. You'll be looking at you know Steven Gianta coming back up to the Islanders, which is just right. not okay. So, yeah. uh, like a guy, that's why Boyle was made sense uh, because he could play both center and wing, and that's why I thought you know Derek Broussard, who we basically have hated forever because he was with the Rangers <laughs> and and the Penguins um, for the for the what the last like four or five years, and with us that stop in Ottawa, but uh, this is a, sounds like a good fit to me. You know, he's he's not the player he was at his, in his you know heyday, but he's a good center and he's got a little scoring flair. So he's just like another yeah. guy that I think would be interesting. It's it's a no no I, I agree with you. I think I, I I mean I think when 
he was traded to Florida, the, the immediately it was like, well, look for the Panthers to flip him somebody else. And I think we all kind of thought the Islanders would make sense. But I, I'm just kind of really curious, just even in general, like what happened? Like when he went to it's so weird. It's so yeah, weird when, how players that happens with players. I know when he went to Ottawa, you know, the Rangers traded him for Mika Zibanejad, and I remember people thinking like, well, that's a pretty even trade. Like at the time, Broussard probably had better like sort of just boxcar numbers than Zibanejad had at that point. But since that trade, I mean, obviously it's ridiculous. I mean, Zibanejad is excellent, and Broussard was okay for for Ottawa, but he wasn't like as good. And then he went to the Penguins, and it. I I fully admit, I mean, I don't know if this is a mea culpa or whatever, but when they traded for Derek Broussard, I was pissed because I'm like, well, Ottawa just handed the Penguins a third straight no, Stanley Cup. You were Are you not kidding alone. Me right you now? were not alone in that. I, I think <laughs> I feel like everybody was like, they were all like, what the hell? Like, yeah. how, no matter what it was, like they, they should have waited. They should have held out for Sidney Crosby in return just because <laughs> you literally are giving the Penguins a cup. I was like, that's ridiculous. I mean, OK, maybe, he's, you know, he hasn't been that good, but he's good. Why would you do that? And this is like, you know, he's better than Jordan Stahl. He's better than these other guys they've had run Nick Benino or whoever was, you know, the third line center for those couple of years. And it just it never materialized. And I'm just, you know, when something like that happens, I mean, it's kind of happened with with Grice a little bit last year. Like he was so bad. You just wonder what what's the deal? Like, I mean, I guess it can happen to anybody, but still, like, dude, there's got to be something. I always wonder if there's something like off the ice. I, I, I'm totally pulling this out of my behind, obviously, but like, you just it's just such a steep drop off for a guy who was good not long ago. <laughs> you just like, what is the deal? How did that happen? But yeah, maybe, maybe he turns it on again. Who knows? Yeah, we'll and and for for guys like us who aren't Penguins fans and don't pay attention to the Penguins every day, sure, mm-hmm. you know, we have an eye on them because they're in the division. It kind of just popped up like when right in, yeah. in around like uh, Christmas time. They're like, well, the Penguins are pr- basically Derek Broussard has his ba- his bags packed. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is he? What is? Where did? <laughs> aren't yeah. they? Aren't they? They're doing pretty well. Like they're right. okay. But well, that's yeah. the. Uh, I mean, the trade kind of came out of nowhere, especially for Nick Bjugstad, who nobody had expected. You know, was going to get traded. I mean, he'd been in Florida forever. He was a very popular guy in the locker room with the, with fans and everything. And he, all of a sudden, he's a Penguin. And the same with the Brian Boyle thing. Like Bob Mer- Bob Bob McKenzie, classic Bob McKenzie, swoops in in the middle of the day and is like, Nashville and New Jersey are talking about Brian Boyle, expected to go down soon. And then like within an hour, yeah, he's gone. Second round pick. There you go. Boom. And it was like, wow, that that really just happened. So you know, tis the season. Uh, it's, it's upon us and, uh, yeah, you never know. Uh, guys are moving around and, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I I think Boyle would have been an okay fit. I'm not necessarily sad he's gone. I'm definitely not sad that the Islanders didn't spend a second round pick on him because they only have a first and a second and not a third and a fourth. So again, Lou's going to have to get creative. Maybe he's trade some 2020 picks. We'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, so keep your eyes and ears open and, uh, you never know who's going to be moving here and there. We'll see what happens. Um, in other league news, Austin Matthews signed a contract extension. I don't care. I really don't. I just find it funny that. Oh, I the... I, I didn't care until today. I didn't <laughs> care until today when I saw what Mitch Marner's agent said. Which oh was, yeah. Was so yeah. made me so happy. Like good for yeah. this guy. This guy. I hope he's an Islander fan. He's uh well check his check his pajamas check his uh his, <laughs> his bedroom um but uh yeah yeah he was just saying I don't know that you know it was just weird like Mike Babcock's like oh Mitch is gonna be a leave for a long time and then the the agent was saying like well you know we're not gonna give him a hometown discount and yada yada and then immediately he had to go back and like walk it all back over the course of all day on every radio station 
to me, I just I really don't care. I, I I just find it funny that the Athletic doesn't really do breaking news unless it's about the Leafs. And then there's immediately like five stories about this one topic within an hour of it happening. And that's all we get to hear about now. Like, how does this affect, so you know, good. how does Matthew's contract affect Mitch Marner? How does it affect other RFAs? How does it affect tea, the price of tea in China? How does it affect the <laughs> rotation of the earth? I don't care. The guy got paid. He's good. He got paid. Let the Leafs figure it out later on. Oh, it's a bad contract for the Leafs. They're going to have to pay. Who cares? Who cares? Let, oh, them, pay, let them pay the man. It's Whatever. great. It's 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 good news. I think it's actually like yeah, great news for Austin Matthews or whatever. But I think it's just it's a good news for uh, the the uh, the Allied powers. You know, I think everyone else is kind of like circling around, being like, all right, like yeah. uh, as as Mitch Marner's agent eloquently put, this is not a team friendly deal. Yeah, and don't expect Mitch to take a hometown discount. Like, yeah. So uh, could we keep this interview going, please? Like, I would, <laughs> tell us more. Wait, wait yeah. tell us more. What about uh, what about this guy's next contract? The, um, the only the only words I want to hear when it comes to Austin Matthews and contract is when he signs with the Arizona Coyotes. They, I, that's what I want to know. Got about five years. The clock has begun, and in about five years, he's probably going to sign with the with the Coyotes. <laughs> that that's the only contract of Austin Matthews I want to hear about. Yeah, so, it's great. But uh, that that'll be fun. It's it's funny how you do say that, and, and you're not even kidding about the uh, the athletic. It's just it's it's crazy if you're scrolling through a feed. I really do. I mean, I get that the Leafs guys are doing it, but then when the non-Leafs guys are doing it, it's like no, I don't. We don't mean. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I as a person, like as a creative person, I kind of pride myself on trying to come up with something that's a little bit different and trying to do something that's a little bit different. Maybe it's not for everybody. I mean, you and I, we're here. This is just us hanging out. Like, there's really nothing. <laughs> you know, not a lot of podcasts are like this. It's just us hanging out. So it's it's our thing. It's different. I don't know if I could write the same story that four other guys are writing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it would just no. drive me nuts. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I mean, I just wonder, you know, where, where I work, like, we when we talk about editorial meetings, like, we, we, we will immediately stop ourselves almost. Be like, wait, we... Someone else just right. did that, or, or we already did it. Can right. I like if I'm sure these guys aren't all together in an office, but you know James Myrtle and Pierre LeBron and Craig Custance and uh, <laughs> Sean McAdoo, yeah. yeah, like they're all like, <laughs> all right, you take the uh, you take the what does this mean for Mitch Marner? You take the what does this mean for the next next big star? Right. Someone someone used the word precedent in their title, and we'll be good. <laughs> oh, oh no, who's but, got the lockout one? We need a lockout yeah, yeah, one. Somebody exactly. did lock, you know. So yeah. Oh, it's you know, and it's 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 funny because. We, we talk a lot about how the Islanders for most of the past 20 years have had one, if that beat writer, and you know whether it's Greg Logan or, or Arthur Staple, whoever it's been, uh, we probably took that for granted because it's a lot, it's a lot better yeah. than the, of the alternative no, of no, having that, 35 of them. Yeah, no, I've, I've thought that before, not, not just when it comes to the Leafs, but the Oilers too, in particular. Those two, I mean other teams too, but like in particular, those two teams – a long time ago, it made me appreciate just having like the one guy. Sometimes you wish there was a second voice or another guy, right. you know, with with an idea. But you know, it, it. I would much rather have one Arthur Staple or an Arthur Staple and an Andrew Gross than fifty seven guys all writing the same thing. Or, or I mean, the funny thing was when this, when they signed this contract, I thought to myself, well, what what are these radio stations going to talk about now because all the, the only thing they've been talking about this whole time is what Matthews is going to sign for. And then it, it occurred to me, well, duh, they're obviously going to talk about Marner's contract. So yeah. it's just, it's a constant thing. And then there'll be somebody else. And I just, that's enough. We've I, already, 
Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> the, so the the Islanders have had so much weird stuff happen to them in the past, you know, 10, 12 years, whatever. So you wonder, like, what if the Islanders really did matter to the local sports market? Just um, I did. I actually did want to bring this up. So I guess this would segue is when uh, what's her name? Laura, Laura Coran or the, the, oh, NASA, right, yeah. the NASA, NASA executive who, who wrote yeah. a letter to Barry, Gary Bettman. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just like the, the irony is just too much. But uh, the uh, just imagine what that media circus would do with that. You know, and those kind of like zany things that happen around the Islanders once a week. Something weird yeah. happens with the Islanders once a week and nobody really knows outside of Islander fans or knows how to grasp it and, and get to the like. To, to truly digest it and know what it means besides us because nobody really covers it outside of, you know, the dedicated Islanders beat writers and the people in the – now the the Islanders quasi beat with – that's meshed with the political town mm. of Hempstead beat. Um, yeah, Jim Baumbach is not an, a political writer and he's not an Islanders writer. He's both. And uh, <laughs> so it's, it's really weird. So like yeah. you just wonder like what would, would these media – circus like what would that how would they handle those kind of things you're like all right thank god it's just these guys and and when that when that tweet went out i mean gross tweeted it no i've been about the usuals you know retweeted or whatever i thought i actually thought to myself what you just said like how many people are reading you know people follow these guys for hockey news and how many people from like you know toronto or ottawa or not even like you know raleigh or dallas or nashville or whatever is like what the hell am I even looking at right now? Like, you know, and meanwhile, to an Islanders fan, they see that Nassau, Co- that Nassau County logo at the top. And you're just like, Oh shit, something just happened. You know? and it, turned, <laughs> it turned out to be innocuous. Like it's nice. I mean, she can say what she wants. It's fine. It, be- it certainly beats, you know, telling them, you know, get lost or, you know, we're not, we're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna play here anymore, but I don't know how much it means. I don't know if Gary Bettman really even cares all that much. I don't know if it's going to, change anything but like you know we see that that county seal and we immediately know something bad has gone <laughs> gone on or and you know i mean so but to anybody else this this is complete nonsense this is like you know players in the echl not even you know making making noise they're not gonna i don't i don't know who plays for the sharks echl team i don't even know if they have an echl team i don't care you know <laughs> but this kind of thing so yeah i mean no i don't know i i i think we all agree that we would all prefer uh, games at the Coliseum in the playoffs, but my whole thing is, can can they make the playoffs first? Like, am I crazy for just being like, please just qualify for the playoffs first, then we'll worry about it. I really don't want to even want to talk about this right now. I'd rather they just qualify. Sports Club stats had them at ninety eight point four percent or something. Uh, the Athletic had them at like eighty seven point something percent. So none of that's good enough. I want an X. You know, Mike Carver <laughs> yeah. was saying on the last podcast, I want an X next to their name in the standings before I will even entertain the idea of where the hockey games are going to oh, be. I can't wait. Can be played. I can't wait for that. I, 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 yeah, I don't. I, I, it's people are. I don't think any. And the, it's kind of like the trade deadline with Lou and stuff. This is such a weird situation. Nobody knows. Maybe right. one. Maybe one person or two people in the world know where the Islanders. If they, if they, by some miracle, make the playoffs, I don't want to jinx them. So uh, if if they do make the playoffs, where they're going to play it, it's basically just Gary Bettman and and maybe the the two owners that know or have an inkling. And um, so I, I also want to get bet out of shape about it because the, like the fact that we're having this, I don't. It's like almost like the Islanders ruined ruined it for for. They're like, oh, well, well we can split these games because you know it'll be nice. The fans they're not going to be good. People show still show up to the games because they're not going to be good, and they love the they love the Coliseum again all of a sudden. Um, and 
you know, they're just there's no way in hell they're making the playoffs. So we don't have to worry about that. And then they do, and you and the, the whole brass is probably like, oh Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I would think that they would consult the players at least, but I think they would probably say they'd rather play the Coliseum too. But uh, we shall see. Uh, I will actually be at Barclays Center on Sunday watching the game against the Wild. I'm uh, taking going with my friend and, and his two sons. Uh, there, uh, I've been telling them they live in the city, and I've been like, uh, you know, there's the kind of feeling that this might be the last games they ever play in Brooklyn before going back to the Coliseum. So if your kids want to go to a game, you probably should go right now. Uh, he is a federal employee, so he was uh, shut down for a few weeks there. Uh, and when we came, when they came back, I was like, hey, you still want to go? And he was like, yeah, now, now we can go. Now I have some extra cash. So I was like, okay, let's go. And so uh, if they lose, you could blame me because I will be in attendance. And that's all they've pretty much done this whole time. But I have yet to attend a Barry Trotz uh, Islanders game, so we'll see what happens. Oh, but, it's an ex- uh, it's an experience. I can imagine. Get ready, uh, get ready to see people be where they're supposed to be. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle it. Well, <laughs> it, it will be it will be in Brooklyn, so it won't be the full the full yeah. experience, but it'll be close enough. Uh, and then the day before that, again, they have the game against the Avalanche. If you go, it's Marvel Superheroes Day. Say hello to Black Panther for me. Spider-Man, they're all going to be there. That's pretty awesome. Get yourself a Captain America bobblehead. That's pretty cool. Apparently, uh, the Sunday game is Chewbacca Can Koozie Day. So that's pretty cool, I guess. I'm going to get a Chewbacca Can Koozie for my uh, my Star Wars uh, drinks. I don't know. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I hope they don't great. give them out. I was telling my wife, I'm like, they're probably going to give those out after the game. She's like, why? I'm like, you don't want to give anybody anything you can throw before you go to a hockey game. It's like, why? You think they'll throw it? I'm like, dude, you have no, <laughs> you have no idea what what these people are capable of. So we'll, we'll see. I don't even know if I'm going to get one. We'll see what happens. So wait, so they play the the Wild Saturday, or yeah. excuse me, Avalanche Saturday, Wild Sunday at right. the Barclays, and then there's one more game at Barclays, or is it? Yes, yeah, next Saturday uh, against the Oilers is the do, final. Do you think? One. Do you think they'll do like some some farewell stuff like they did to the Coliseum that time that they say goodbye to the Coliseum? <laughs> Maybe they'll go really wild and totally crazy and actually open up more than one concession stand in the entire place. Like you can like, yes, we're going to give you for one last time. We're going to actually offer you this awesome food that they have here before you go away forever. Oh, man. It's it's that 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 is going to be funny that that last game there. Oh, it's you know what? It's because the. The tennis has come to the Coliseum. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, all if, right. if you have nothing to do the next, uh, it's I think it's the ninth to the seventeenth. You should go. It's a it's fun. It's fun to watch professional tennis, and there's nobody there, so you can just like sit, <laughs> sit like wherever you want. And uh, a couple of good players are going, and uh, oh. yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely it's definitely a good experience. It's just it's just the men's side, I believe. I think it's uh, it's a two fifty level tournament, so there'll, there'll be some decent players. You don't expect like stars but uh yeah i mean i, I and it's yeah it's it's uh it'll be fun yeah. i'll definitely Check it be going out. a couple uh, times I, I wonder uh if that'll do more attendance than the uh long island nets have done yeah. i haven't heard <laughs> it'll much be of them very like. close i went last year and uh, <laughs> uh i did also i was working nights so i could go during the day so obviously you know weekday in february i don't really know anybody who would be allowed <laughs> to or would want to go to the nassau coliseum to watch tennis um uh, except for me and uh, so, yeah, so I went and there was like 30 people there. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, well, you know, you can only see so many movies, right? Like if you, exactly. If you, before, before, uh, before or after you've seen Lego Movie 2, uh, you can check out the Tennis at the Coliseum. Uh, that's a cool segue to uh, some other plugs uh, to, to get to. So uh, March 16th, once again, 
Offside Tavern, live Isles Buzz podcast. Uh, Nick Hershon, uh, author of We Want Fish Sticks, is going to be there along with Noel and Dan. So go there, watch the Islanders Red Wings game in the afternoon. Stick around, live Isles Buzz podcast. I'm sure it'll be awesome. Offside Tavern, March 16th. You should go there. Sneakyathletic.com. Again, they got all that cool goat and all that cool uh, Fort Never Lose stuff. You should go check it out there. And you can save 10% by putting anxiety in the discount code box. Uh, they have a lot of cool. I mean, you should check it. I mean, it's a great site. They got a lot of cool stuff there. You save yourself 10%. It's a nice little chunk that comes off when you just type in anxiety in the discount code box. So you should do that. Sneakyathletic.com. Uh, our NHLnames.com. NHL name of the week. This week is Pattern on the loose puck for Minnesota. Greg Patterson of the Minnesota Wild was a longtime Montreal Canadian. He was then a Dallas Star for a little while. Somehow we ended up in Minnesota. <laughs> I thought it was Patterson, but yeah, we should, we should send these guys something. Yeah, right? I, I, I really, I mean, I got no idea how you end up. I, I know, and I'm pretty sure he's he's like a very nice man. It's he, yeah. I, I see like tweets and pictures of him like with with people who who need help or whatever. So. Um, Cool. Well, congratulations, Greg. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember when when he was a Canadian for a long time because he was he was like a, I think a fairly high draft pick, not a first round pick, but like a second or maybe third. I don't know what he was, but yeah, he's got a decent he a lo- beard. Yeah, and he, but he was like the Canadians fans were just rough on him, man. They just they never gave him a break, and you know he eventually got run out of town for oh he got traded for Jordy Ben, uh, who was just equally as bad apparently, and yeah, uh, equally as bearded. Yeah, I think Jordy's got a nice beard too. Yeah, yeah, no, Jordy has has he's still got the beard. I think I think Pattern may have shaved his, but but anyway, it's an interesting interesting player and nhlnames.com, check it out. You can hear Greg Patterson and other name uh pronunciations uh courtesy of uh, Travis and John. So there you go. Check that out. Uh okay, as uh last but not least, tell everybody your Twitter account again. It's uh, the Big Lebowski with two e's. You should follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. You should follow Mike's friend Andy at betandybet. Uh, he uh, is, uh, you know, he's coming around to the Islanders. Hey, you know, it took a while, but can't, can't fault the guy for that. And, uh, yeah, get some tips there and, uh, I don't know, maybe make you some money for yourself. Use, use this to your advantage. Uh, I don't think anybody would have put money on these guys early in the season, but you probably still can. And Hey, maybe you win something. You never know. Yeah, there you go. I think, uh, I think he, he, he's, he's very, he's very willing to help if you go about it the right way, if you have good questions. And I'd encur- if, you, if it's something you're interested in learning about, I'd, I'd definitely encourage you to start with him. Yeah. Be nice. Yes, <laughs> if you're going to ask nice. him some questions, be nice. Uh, but uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We had a great time. Uh, we're going to meet next week uh, after the game against the Sabres. And uh, hopefully the Islanders are bright of the ship. And uh, we'll see how some, some new line pairings uh, can spark some more offense. And uh, if they can get back to uh, – They're a stifling defense. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, Thanks again, and we will talk to you next week. All right, bye-bye.